All right, and there we go. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Root of All Sex. This is your girl, Jazzy. And today we're going to do it a little bit different because Fran is out taking care of some other things. But I do have a guest on today, Mr. Dan Harari, who is the author of Carrots, The Confessions of a Hollywood Sex Addict. Good evening. Well, good afternoon in your area. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm good. It's really great to meet you. I'm a, a big fan of your show. I've been watching it for a few months. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for reaching out. Um, always the pleasure to get some new people who are within our world as well. <laughs> so before we get into your book, of course, I'm going to have to hit you with some icebreakers, sir. Whatever you want. I'm all yours. <laughs> Perfect. So one that we ask all the time and the answer is always different. If you had a sexual power, what would it be? If I had a sexual power, what would it be? Yes. I would make the incredibly beautiful women in Hollywood that I chase after fall madly in love with me. Because instead, they usually run the other way. Well, dang. Okay, Hollywood people. (laughs) I should learn learn hypnosis, probably, you know. That's one way. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the best way, but I probably could work. So. True. What is the craziest place you ever had sex? Honestly, I'm not. I've had a lot of sex with a lot of women, but it's really been traditional places. You know, I've only had sex outdoors in twice in my life. Uh, uh, I, nothing really good. I don't really have a good answer on that one. Uh, I guess a bathroom, a bathroom floor while we were painting with you know rollers with paint and paint was splashing on us, and we were fell on the floor in the bathroom with paint spilling everywhere. That was fun, but you know, nothing like Africa in a tree or something really cool. Nothing like that. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. It, it is okay. okay. Yes. Perfect. So I do appreciate you reaching out to us. Um, and once again, thank you for being a listener. So can you please tell us a little bit about your book? Sure. Okay. So <clears throat> my name is Dan Harari. I grew up in uh, New Jersey along the Jersey shore. And my childhood story, big story, childhood story is when I was um, 16, I worked with Bruce Springsteen before he was famous. I used to work at, a, work at a concert hall. I had long, long hair. I played the drums and I had a light show with my best friend. And we did um, stage lighting for a lot of famous groups like Kiss, uh, uh, Fleetwood Mac, Humble Pie, a lot of the famous 70s groups we did concerts for. But we worked with Bruce Springsteen you know, before he was famous, years before he was famous. Um, So that's one story. I went to college in Boston. I went to Boston University and I studied communications. And then I moved out to California when I was 24. I had no connections, no money, no job, no car, I had nothing. And over the course of years, I I got established in Hollywood as a publicist, a public relations person, a publicist. 
and I've worked at the movie studios and um, with a lot of celebrities and a lot of famous people. Uh, it's been 40 years. I've been a publicist for 40 years. My first publicist job, Jazzy, was with Hugh Hefner at the Playboy Channel. Listen. And, and the funny thing about that is I just got married. I just got married and I got a job at the Playboy Channel. So I was friends, literally, with the girls, you know, the, the playmates. They were the center yeah. They were called the playmates. So I'm friends with all these beautiful blonde playmates for years. And I just got married. So some of them flirted with me, like pretty, obviously, two, two in particular. And I was like wanting to taste taste the waters. And I swore I'd never cheat on my, and never cheated on my wife, you know. But um, my first PR job in Hollywood was uh, for Hugh Hefner at the Playboy Show, 1984, January 84. Wow. Um, and then along the yeah, along the way, I worked for some studios, and then I've had my own company for 26 years. I still work. I'm 66 years old, still in business, and that's who I am, big picture. I have two adult children. I've been divorced a long time. I've been with a lot of women. I was a sex addict, da da da, da. So my book, this is my book. Let's see if there's no shine on it. There you go. Mm -hmm. that's, that's me. That's me as a cartoon, and I'm chasing the, you know, the beautiful carrot girl, which is pretty much the story of my life. Um, a few years ago, I decided to write about my adventures, good, bad, and ugly, really, with, with women and sex and dating and all, and my marriage. And um, the reason, Jazzy, I did it was um, for 20 years after my divorce, this is the real reason I wrote the book. For 20 years after my divorce, from ages 36 to 56, those 20 years, I was uh, a, a pretty hardcore sex addict. And I'm not sure if you, you probably discussed sex addiction on your show over the course of time, but it's a topic, you know, I've been doing podcasts now for a few months. It's a, pod, it's a topic that not every uh, sex podcaster has really covered, you know. So uh, I just started writing down my stories. I just wanted to be honest with myself and confront my truth and tell my story. I didn't. I didn't lie about anything. I didn't. I didn't. You know. I didn't hold anything back. I just wanted to sort of embrace my sexuality uh, in the area of sex addiction because now I've been about ten years on the sober side of sex addiction, and I thought maybe my stories could help someone else. You know. Yeah, most definitely. I thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I say that because um, um, besides podcasts, I am a sexologist. So once you speak to someone and you get down to the root of why certain things are, you start to understand it more. So with you telling your story, I'm sure you are helping a lot of people who might think it's embarrassing or scared to talk about it. So, yes, definitely going to have to have a different topic with you, sir, about that. Definitely want to know more about that. Um, so what with the book, what made you decide to, you know, talk about the Hollywood side of it? That's a great question. You're the only person that says that. The truth is, 
the truth is my publisher. All right. So this is my second book. Okay? Mm -hmm. My first book came out last summer. The first one It's called Flirting with Fame. A Hollywood publicist recalls 50 years of celebrity close encounters. That's my first book. It's about all the celebrities I've worked with in Hollywood. And so my publisher, when I pitched him my carrot sex book, he goes, Dan, I'll print it, but we have to make a deal. I said, what? He goes, somehow you have to put the word Hollywood in the title somehow, because all of his books are about Hollywood, the, this publisher. Okay. I was going to call it true confessions of a, of a, of a sex addict. I'll leave it at that. He made me put in the word Hollywood. So that was something I did for my publisher. But I've been in Hollywood for 42 years, which is two thirds of my life, really. So it's not, I mean, it was a compromise. The answer, honestly, is it was a compromise with my publisher. That's why. Gotcha. Gotcha. So let, let's go back to the, the Playboy Mansion and stuff for a little bit. Okay. With that, I know you've seen a lot versus what we see or saw in the magazines and on TV. Um, how, how, I know you said you never cheated, but how did you, how did you resist? How? A tremendous amount of masturbation. That's all I can tell you, to be honest. Here's what's funny, Jazzy. I knew these girls. I knew them. I would have lunches with them. I would mm -hmm. do I would do photo shoots with them. I would drive them in my car. Um, they would come in my office and tell me about problems they had with their boyfriends. So for two and a half years, I knew, like on a personal level, not all of them, but I became friendly with quite a few of the girls. And I honestly, I never cheated my wife. I got married during the course of time I was a playboy. Um, and what's funny is, you know, these girls were in the magazine and then they would be in my office in real life. So if my wife was out of town or gone for a few hours with a girlfriend, I'd masturbate looking at the girls in the magazines that I knew in, in real life. You know what I mean? It's like, well, she was just in my office. I couldn't touch her, but I could look at her pictures. So it was the most, it was a duality of fantasy and reality for me coinciding for those years when I was at Playboy. Had I not gotten married then, and if I didn't know my wife then, there were two girls in particular that told me that they would date me. You know what I mean? So I was tempted. I was very, very tempted, but I couldn't cheat on my wife and I never did. Good job. Now, question. Did Hugh Hefner really have sex with all of those girls? In the early years, he did. Um, I worked there in the mid-80s. When I worked there, a few people I knew who knew him. Can I use any word on your show? Can I say anything? Oh, yes. You can. Yeah. You can say whatever. It's fine. There was a, there was a producer of a TV show for the Playboy Channel, who I knew very well then in the 80s. He told me, he said, Hefner always surrounds himself with all the girls. And and, and this producer said, the man is completely fucked out. He, he, he said he probably hasn't gotten hard, you know, in 10 years. Mm -hmm. It was in the mid 80s. So now when Viagra came out, Hugh, okay. Hefner, Hugh Hefner talked about Viagra, you know, 
he he was a big proponent of Viagra. He said, you know, it helps older men, and, and he 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 said he himself was taking Viagra. I take it sometimes myself if I need it. Um, mm. But to answer your question, I'd say from the day he started his magazine, 1953, to probably the mid 80s, he probably screwed so many of those girls. I'm sure he did. But from the mid 80s to his death, a lot of that, you know, when he had like three blondes on each arm and they all lived with him, it was that was for show. That was he was a brand. Yeah. He was he was a, like he was like Mick, if Mickey Mouse was a person for Disney, Hugh Hefner was a living man who was a brand icon logo for for Playboy. Mm-hmm. So he kept it going up until his death, but I don't think he had a good heart on since probably the early eighties. Good, thank you. So, carrots. How long has that been out? Carrots. Uh, carrots has a very interesting story. The book came out in September last year, so it's only been oh, oh no, okay, okay, five five months. And I'm just really, because of the holidays, I'm really starting to promote it now. Um, here's the interesting thing. I wrote, I wrote this in 1980 as a movie screenplay originally about a man who was in love with a girl from afar and he never had the courage to talk to her because he was too shy. That was the premise of a movie. I wrote that in 1980. I came out to LA in 1980. I sent that to all the studios and to producers for years, all through the 80s. Nobody gave a shit. Nobody cared. It, nothing ever happened. Okay. So I put that in a drawer, Jazzy, until the year 2009. Mm. Okay. So for all those years, it was in a drawer. 2009, I was representing a beautiful supermodel named Amber Smith. Amber Smith, she's a famous supermodel. I was her publicist and her manager. I got her a book, I almost got her a book deal about her life, but it fell through at the last minute. When it fell through, I thought, you know, I should write my life story. I I almost got her book, you know, I came very close to getting a book deal. It fell through at the last minute. I'm like, I should write a book about my stories because I'm not as beautiful as her. But I have probably better stories. And so I just started, I found it from 1980 in a drawer, right? And I changed it from a movie to a book. And I, instead of being fiction, I made it my real life with girls and women from childhood. I updated it. Then I had it professionally edited. Then I pitched it around for years. No one cared. I put it back in the drawer. And then last year, the publisher who did my Hollywood book said, what else do you got? I said, I have this crazy sex book. He goes, I like sex. Let me read it. (laughs) He read it. He goes, here's your contract. I go, holy shit. I had this book from 1980. I got it published in the year 2022. That's 42 years. So carrots, it's only a few months old, but it's 42 years in the (laughs) middle. In the making, probably older than you are. Yeah, it gave me about a few years. <laughs> and that's the history. That's the history of it. 
Well, yeah, that's 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 dope. Like timing, you did it then, and it was you wanted into a movie, it didn't come out that way. You took it out, you revised it, and then it just it came back around. I'm excited to see how that goes. So, with it being done in September. Where have you like put it? Is it like on Amazon? Is it on Kindle? Is that Audible yet? How are you doing it? it my publisher distributed it for me. Mm-hmm. It's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, I think Target, um, Walmart. Um, there is a Kindle version. There is not an Audible. I didn't do an Audible version. The truth is. This is, it's very graphically, it's very sexually graphic. I talk about, you know, coming on girls' tits and fucking up the ass. I mean, I, I, my mother, my mother wants to read it. She's 88. I go, mom, you are never going to read this. <laughs> she mom, as long as you're alive, you are not allowed to read it. She's 88 and a half, Jazzy. I'm going to let my mother read this book about coming on tits. I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, I mama know a little something, but her son doing it might be a little different. Why can't I read your book? I don't, <laughs> you know, this is not, you know, my mom, this little old Jewish woman in a wheel. No, you're not reading. You're not reading this book. It's not going to happen. <laughs> nice. so, so, traditional sources and nice podcasters like you. Um, uh, tomorrow I'm doing something called... Uh, uh, what's it called? Sex, the evolution of sex, I think it's called. Uh, I'm hoping to get sex with Emily. That's a famous podcast. I just met her the other night. Uh, okay. Basically, there's not a lot of, there's not, a, I'm very glad for podcasters. If you're an author today, in, in this day and age, you know, uh, podcasters like you, it, this is the best way to promote a book. It really is. It's hard to get into the New York Times or People Magazine, you know. I've done it for clients. It's hard to do that, very hard. But podcasters are always, you know, always looking for interesting topics. Mm-hmm. And for me, for this book, sex, like for my other book, I did all the Hollywood media, you know. I did newspapers and websites and podcasts that talk about Hollywood. This one is very sex specific. So I've been doing a bunch of sex podcasts, and I think when I'm done, I'll probably have about 15, maybe 15 altogether. That's great. Glad that we were able to help. How did you find us? Uh, I I googled. I, I literally googled sex podcasts. I mean, it's that simple. Sex podcast. I got a list of maybe a hundred. It, it was on a, a screen on Google, and they were just all of them were there. And I wrote, I pitched to many as I could. And out of the hundred, I'd say maybe fifteen wrote back to me. So nice. you would be one of, one of the fifteen. I, think. Yeah. I feel special. This book just came out in September, and I get to talk to you about it now. Please, my pleasure. If I sell one copy to your mother, I mean, I'll be your friend or somebody. I'll be happy. Yeah. This, is, um, this, is a, this is a hard book. You, a hard book. you said those are in the stores. No, it's not in stores. No. Okay. So for how much are you selling your books for? 
I believe on Amazon, I believe it's thirty dollars, which is okay. a little high, but it, it's it's like three hundred and fifty. It's a long book, and it has a lot of photos. I have pictures of women and I've loved and lost, you know, that have come along. It's like when I was putting it together, I thought, you know, I should put together some pictures too, because I have scrapbooks going back to my childhood. So I was putting them together and I sent them to my publisher and he goes, Dan, that's a lot of carrot women you've known in your life. So I go, yeah, because I never, <laughs> I never put all the pictures, you know, I'm like, well, my wife, of course, but then girlfriend in college. Okay? And then after I got divorced and, and then uh, during the Playboy era and women I knew, and I just put all these pictures and there's a lot of fun pictures mm -hmm. in the book. You know. That's nice. I'm all in your business. So I, I can see your wall and I see some instruments over there. Um, that's, that's mine. Let's see. That's my drums. I, I'm a drummer. Okay. Yeah. That's my electronic drums. So I don't drive the neighbors crazy. <laughs> But I do have my drum set from the 60s. I was a drummer in, you know, in grade school and high school from seventh grade till uh, college. I was a drummer. So. so what? Okay. So like I see it's there. So do you still play like live or with a band or how does that work? I, I play. So these are electronic. So it, it just sounds like tapping. You mm -hmm. know, it's not electro, it's like tapping. But if I wear headphones, it's a little computer. Mm. that's attached to the drums. Each drum has its own little computer. So if I put on headphones and, and I'm playing drums in the headphones, it sounds like real drums. And I can patch in my little iPod, mini iPod with all my songs on there, like Led Zeppelin or The Who or The Beatles or whoever I want, Rolling Stones, you know. And I can patch the music in. So the music goes into my headphones and my drums go in. So I can play along to Led Zeppelin and whoever I want to. It's a, it's a tremendous amount of fun to do it. Nice. I was just being nosy. No, that's fine. Yeah, ask, ask me anything. Ask me some hard stuff. I like the, hard that. Hardcore. When, when it comes to sex and having these kind of conversations, I don't see it as like hard questions because this is natural for me to talk about. So it's not it's not too hard for me at all. I really enjoy it. But I did want you to pick your favorite part of the book and read it to our audience. So oh we can start. Yep. Yes, oh yes, yes, yes. Oh, I didn't know you were going to do that to me. Oh, my God. I don't even know where to begin. Um. Well, okay, I will do that. But um, you don't have to necessarily read it if it's something that you remember out of it. Because a lot of times when we ask people to read it out their book, they literally read it. So yeah. <laughs> if there's like a summary part, that's fine. All right, there's two things I want to say. One is, I'm jealous of you being so comfortable sexually. Honestly, okay, I'm I'm older than you. Um, when I grew up and became aware of my penis i was like 12 13 14 right that's the late 60s we didn't have sex education my parents never told me anything about sex my friends did not talk about sex there was no internet there was no porn 
really, except Playboy magazines, which I used to steal. So I grew up in those days very sexually embarrassed and ashamed that I was jerking off because that's what men do and that's what every man does on the planet, okay? But and I would when I was doing it, I felt guilt and shame for years, which when I didn't really ha I didn't have to. There was no reason for it. It's natural. That's what boys do. But since no one ever talked to me, you know, so uh, I met my wife when I was 25. She was 20. She was I had a couple of one night stands before her, but she was 20. I was 25. She was my first love. We were together 11 years. Um. She was my first real, real hearty sex partner until she became ill. Along the way in our marriage, she developed Epstein-Barr syndrome, you know, chronic fatigue syndrome. And she became very, very ill for years while we were married. So that's partly why we broke up at the end. But I was never comfortable even talking to my wife, like, about, about sex. You know, we had sex, but... I was not comfortable talking about it. I got divorced. I was 36. Because my wife even said, Dan, you know, let's get divorced. You need to have sex with, with women. She goes, you didn't have that much sex before we met, which was true. So from 36 to 56, 20 years, I was having sex with prostitutes, call girls, strippers, um, phone sex. I discovered phone sex. And I was doing that in addition to dating, you know, normal, regular women. So I'd have girlfriends regular and see them. And then, um, and then the next night I'd go have a thousand dollar call girl come to my house. You know, Charlie Sheen says, you, you don't pay hookers for sex. You pay hookers to leave. It's a famous quote. <laughs> yeah. I, love, I love that quote. It's so funny. So, um, so, and then when, when I was 56, I mentioned to my sister-in-law about all the sex I was having for pay. And she goes, Dan, she goes, you need therapy. You're out of control. Jazzy, I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, paying for sex for 20 years. Hundreds of thousands. I wish I had that money now, okay? So I found a therapist. She sent me to Sex Addicts Anonymous, SAA. Have you ever talked to... The person on your show about SAA? No. No, really? Okay, so sex addicts. It's like Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm -hmm. Instead of drinking, these are people who either sex, have sex or masturbate so much, mostly men, right? So much, they, they've lost their jobs. They lost their wives. They lost their homes. They were in jail. They were sleeping in their cars. They got diseases. Uh, Judges kept them from seeing their children. These guys were like, I was like, holy shit! You know, look, this is a this is a real. It's a disease. Sex, real sex addiction is a disease. I had it. I'd say I had it here. I was making a lot of money and I was unmarried, so I didn't cheat on anyone and I could afford it. But there were guys in that group who, you know, were getting getting uh, arrested and being sued and losing their homes and i was i felt so bad for these men because they couldn't stop jerking off at work it's an unbelievable story it's a really remarkable story 
So in my 50s and now in my 60s, I've become very comfortable talking about sex, not being embarrassed or ashamed, embracing my sex addiction because I was a sex addict. Uh, I'm not now. My sex drive is very low now. I'm going to be 67 soon. So my sex drive really is not what it used to be. You know, probably if you talk to other men my age, you'll probably hear that. the same kind of thing. But, um, but again, when you said that you're like, what's the big deal talking about sex? That's so refreshing because in my life, it took me really about 50 years. You've got mail. Sorry. <laughs> I haven't heard that in a long time. I know. I thought, that's not my. Oh, I better not do that. That's not my main. I just do that because my mother emails me on AOL. My mother. <laughs> she, my mother literally can't remember my other address, so she sends me messages. That's probably my mother. Anyway, um, yeah. So that's really why I wrote the book. Um, is to. It was for me, like, it was like therapeutic for me to say, hey, you know, here's my sexuality stories. Here's the good things I had in life. Here's the, the, the years that were, were troublesome for me. Here's how I went to Sex Addicts Anonymous and, and calm, my, calm myself down. You know, I suggest any of your viewers who, when I was in my addiction, Jazzy, it was like, Got to get laid. Got to get laid. When am I going to get laid? How am I going to get laid? How am I going to come? Who am I going to fuck? What, who, who am I going to fuck this weekend? Who am I going to fuck? How am I going to come? Am I going to jerk off? Am I going to masturbate? Am I going to fuck her? Should I go out with that one? I, it was like every day, just like these messages in my brain. Like, when's my next orgasm? Where's my next orgasm coming from? You know, for 20 years. That's wow. a long time. That's a long time. Yeah. So it just, it just was that. Until I was able to say, you know what, man, you've had enough sex probably for a while. Take a breath, relax, you know, calm it down. Let's find some normal women out there, normal kind of sex, even if it's a little boring. So that's what the last 10 years have been more calm and, and settled. But for 20 years, it was, it was a real, it was a real problem. Yeah, no. Thank you for sharing that. And um, funny thing, I'm 37, right? Okay. I never got talked to about sex either. That's why I do it. Never got talked to. Um, I've had the sex talk with my children, with friends' children, um, because, like you said, we didn't get talked to about it. So we didn't, a lot was considered embarrassing, right? But I like to speak on it so no one feels how you say you felt, right? It's, it's not a bad thing. It's not embarrassing. It's actually normal for you to please yourself so you know how to feel before right. really entering being with somebody else. They shouldn't have to figure out what makes you feel good. You should know what right. makes you feel good so you can tell them. So right. that's how that's even how the podcast came about. Two women having conversations and we were like, man, we would get, we would hear stuff from different ends and we're helping other people. So it's like, why not start the conversation? So a lot of stuff we say that some people are scared to say or don't want to say at all, 
but we're two women saying it. And I can totally understand your situation with going from, you know, not, not being free sexually to now being able to be that way. I think in order to be free to speak on it, we had to go through the things we went through to be able to get to where we are. So I went through mine, you know, at an earlier age than you, even though you were around it, you still came to, you had to go through everything to get to where you are now, even though you're a, a sex addict, which I, I definitely <laughs> will need to be in contact with you because this is something that I do want to know more about. And I'm glad that you were able to get the help you need because even though it's sex and not alcohol or whatever the case may be, it's still an addiction and you got the help you needed for it. So, right. Well, people drink to feel high, right? You smoke pot to get high, you take drug pills to get high. For me, that the high was, I used to have a madam call me every Friday night for years when my two kids were in college. She'd call me, she was, she was Russian, and she would tell me about all the new call girls she had from right off the boat from Russia. She was, do you want, what do you want this weekend? Do you want tall? Do you want short? Do you want fat? Do you want skinny? Do you want blonde? Do you want brunette? Do you want big boobs? Do you want small? And I was like, well, I had a tall blonde last week. How about a short brunette uh, this week? And then next week I'll do it. Work. I, it was like ordering a pizza. Jazzy, like, ding dong, right? <laughs> the prettiest girls I've ever seen. Like in real life, not in the Victoria's Secret. Like in real life, they're at my door, and we and all I have to do is give them, you know, money. It's all I have to do is give them money. They sit, we have wine, we talk. Uh, uh, tell me about your life. Then we go in my room. We have it's usually an hour, sometimes hour and a half. Then all that's done. Then you come back on the couch. You have some more wine. You relax. Hey, that was so much fun. I enjoyed meeting you. You hug and they leave. Right. Well, then the next weekend, you call, and then, okay, who's the next girl, right? Who's the next one going to be? It was like constantly trying to top your high. Like, you have a high. Mm -hmm. How am I going to top that one? And how am I going to top that one? How, many, how am I going to come maybe two times? And maybe that one I can fuck her three times. And maybe that one will stay awake for four times. It just, it was, it was a chemical. It's, any addiction is a chemical sort of imbalance in yep. your brain. Yep. It's, it's a calling. It's a drive that you have. For me, in, instead of alcohol to get high, for me, or, orgasms like are my high. Work. I understand. Coming, you know, coming. I was, I was like a coming addict. That's what it was. I, I, when am I going to come? How am I going to come? Who am I going to come with tomorrow? It, it just didn't stop. For, it took the longest time until like, I could calm it down. Damn. Let me tell you, I understand <laughs> when I tell you. <laughs> I believe you. I believe you. That is a nice, that's how I was oh, a nice orgasm. You get to go, calms my nerves, <laughs> you know, a reset. <laughs> so I get it. I get it. Well, I had that too, but then the next morning I'd be okay. Like, that, yeah. was great, that was a great come last night. When's my next come going to be? It's like when, yep. you know, when you eat, eat food, you eat, have a, have a great meal. But the next day you're hungry again for another meal. So for me, it was like, that was a great come, man. I was so hot. How am I going to come next time? Like it just, I couldn't, 
uh, bathe in the moment of the of the afterglow. It was just okay. What's the next one? Where's the next one? So did was it always a, a new one? Did you never like have the same um, one at any time? There were about six that I became very call girls that I became mm -hmm. very close to, and I saw for years, like. If I yeah, there were about six that I would see on and off for many many years. They knew what I liked. Uh, they were very attractive. They would um, they would stay longer than an hour because like we were we were shorter friends, you know. So they would stay maybe three or four hours, you know. There was one girl I was friends with who used to bring one or two of her other girlfriends with her. Mm -hmm. so I would have. A couple times I had four-way sex, me and three women. Uh, that was that. Now, was, hold on, Dan. You that said you didn't have no, no. That, that, that yeah, that was something you could have mentioned. So you had. I did that twice. I, I, I had four ways twice. A blonde, a brunette, and a redhead. The blonde was a former Playboy model. The redhead was an attractive hairdresser. The brunette was the was a relative of a very famous comedian. I won't say his name. And the three of them were friends. They'd come into my house, drink champagne. They'd do coke. I didn't do coke, but they'd do coke. And Jazzy, when I say Disneyland for adults, man, that was those were the hottest experiences I ever had, ever in my life. It was so hot. I still can't believe I did it. <laughs> That was, well, that, was 11, that was 10, 11 years ago, but I missed that, it. That's, 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 that's still not long ago. It was 2012. It was 11, 11 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I haven't even had a threesome and you had four. You got to get on your level with that one. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was my master. That night was my master class. I was like, Dan, when they all left, Jazzy, I said to myself, Dan, if you never get laid again as long as you live, <laughs> you, 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 just did, you just did that. You just did that. Yes. Yes. That was, you, that was something, then. That was something. Good job. <laughs> now, if those three girls came here today, right now, I would say, hold on, come back in two days because I got to take, I got to take testosterone. I got to take my Viagra. I got to take my vitamin pills. I need some sleep. Uh, come back in two days. Maybe I can get hard. I, it's very it's now for me to get hard. It's it's not because I'm older. It's it's not the same. Mm -hmm. Now, now, what is your relationship status? I I was chasing a very attractive actress this summer. Beautiful actress. We went out several times. I really liked her a lot. Then she got COVID. And then she decided to move back to Miami to be, help her father. So she kind of broke my heart. Um, I just met a, light, a nice lady last weekend from Match.com. We had we had dinner. She's like my age, very nice. Seems very normal, low key. Uh, I haven't had sex since 2019. Um, and I haven't had a real love girlfriend since 2008. I haven't had a sex friend since 2019. That was my last one. 
So I'm very calm. You know, we had COVID for three years. My daughter was living with me after college for a while. I have my company. I have my books. I have my drums. You know what I mean? I have things to keep me occupied. My sex drive is not, it's just not what it was. Mm -hmm. If it was a 10 plus and now it's like at a one, it's just very minor. And the truth is I enjoy my life better, not better, but it's calmer. My life is just much, much calmer now. And I'm not spending hundreds of thousands on, you know, Victoria's Secret models anymore. (laughs) So I have more money in the bank than I used to have. Okay. Well, we are coming up on our, well, at our 40 minute mark. You know, I like to stay time, you know, be mindful of everyone's time. Where can you be reached? Okay, so, well, the book, the best way to get the book, Carrots, True Confessions of a Hollywood Sex Addict, is Amazon. Amazon, okay. Best way to get my book. Uh, My name is Dan Harari, D-A-N-H-A-R-A-R-Y. If you want to get me, go to my website, danhararauthor.com danharariauthor.com you can see about all my I have five books all together oh. you can read about my life and my books and see me pictures with all these women from Carrots it's on there and, and then you can email me there from uh, danharariauthor.com okay so no I social media sites um Facebook it's Daniel Harari on Facebook yeah you know, I'm not huge on social. I'm old, Jesse. I'm, mm-hmm. old. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, you know, <laughs> yes, yes. I'm not one of these social people that have, you know, five million followers. But uh, Daniel Harari on Facebook or danhariauthor.com, you can email me there. Okay. And uh, yeah, check out my book. I think I emailed you and Fran the book. I'm pretty sure I did. Yes. I, I, I would like a hard copy too, just to put on my. I like to have it on my bookshelf. So when you do, you know, go Hollywood with this book, yeah, I'm like, yep. I'll tell you what. After we do this, email me your your snail mail address, and I'll have a book sent to you. Thank you, thank you. Once again, thank you, thank you so much for reaching out to us in. You know, I am grateful that we were able to help you be comfortable enough. So, therefore, I know that we're doing our job. We're having these conversations openly to make everyone comfortable. Sex is okay. Yeah, I wish. Um, see, I wish. I wish you were my. I wish you were my teacher in eighth grade. Oh, because boy, I could have used you then, my friend. My, my parents never told me two well, two words. I knew nothing when I was masturbating, and I'm like, "What am I doing? What is?" I had, honest to God, I had no idea what it was called, why I did it. I thought I invented it. So, yeah, you know, the, good for, the good nice for, sensation. Good Feels for people good. like you to 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 make the new generation calmer and more. Uh, Outgo, you know, more accepting of their sexuality and their sexual selves. It's not a big deal anymore. You know, my my era. If someone was gay in my era, oh my god, the, the teasing. You know, the teasing. Huh. 
Yeah. Now I have gay friends. I think gay friends, I think gay people are the greatest. They're yeah, they're, they're dope. <laughs> they are. In high school, if someone was gay, man, the, 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 the teasing. So everything, since um, since my adolescence, you know, 50 years ago, everything sexually has changed for the better, I would say. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, send me your snail mail. I'll have a book sent to you. Thank and, you. And when will this air? When will this be up? This one was today. So I got two. I got one before you. So let me get the right Tuesday. Um, it will be. I'll send it to you. It will be Tuesday, the twenty fourth. Actually, um, it's seven. It'll be seven p.m. my time. What time is that yours? You're. You're. What? What? Are you? Central I'm in time? Central. Uh huh. I'm two hours behind you. So I'm two hours behind you. So one thirty my time. Oh, okay. Perfect. But um, I'll send it to you beforehand because um, I can I can talk to you off. Let me close out and then I'll get all the information I need from you. Um, once again, thank you, Daniel Harari. I said right? That's right. All right. Y'all go check out his book, Carrots. Uh, I want to get it right. I want to get it right because I'll be back and forth. I want to mess up the title. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I have it up right in front of me. So, Carrots, the Confessions of a Hollywood Sex Addict. For all my sexual people out there, go get his book on Amazon. Once again, thank you. And this has been another episode of The Root of All Sex as we continue to come together. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hold on one second. Then...